Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where this episode might just be two minutes long because all we have to talk about is a night of mirrors, people. Oh my God, we finally found out. You think it's only going to take two minutes to talk about all of our feelings about the night of mirrors? <laughs> Single subject episode, one hour long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, we have so much to get to. So much happened in these last two episodes, and we're having a special edition after party here because, folks, there are only five story episodes left, and there's a lot to get to. That's that's so few, that's but also so many. Not enough. I think we need to do more. Guys, I, this is me coming in hot. Oh? Five more. Five more. Let's go. So right 10 now. total is what you're trying to go for? Yeah. Okay. Brandon, if you finally develop the time travel technology to go back and stop what we've already done, please <laughs> tell me. And why didn't we go back in time and get all of the flavors of Dr. Pepper, including the five secret ones that they won't tell people for? I thought you were going to go for the original McRib. <laughs> That's, good. That's a good one. I mean, don't tempt Brandon. He has the technology. It's called deleting the files that we recorded. <laughs> That's true, people. We've recorded all five of the rest of our story episodes. Oh, man, the spoily corners are going to have, like, unprecedented energy. I'm thinking about the most specific creepypasta that has to do with a haunted Pro Tools session that makes you go back in time and that you can delete someone by deleting their recording. I was trying to think of a secret Dr. Pepper's uh, flavor. Is it Dr. Bell Pepper? Is Ooh, it Dr. It's a secret. I can't tell you. Dr. Chili? No, no, no. Dr. Pepper has 23 flavors layered inside of the soda. Right. So they've released 18, but five are lost to time. Oh, you want the ingredients, not the flavors. I see. Mm. I see. Listen, I know that it's just like someone in Atlanta made a bunch of flavors in a lab and then put that in a test tube and then inserted it into the soda. But the branding of Dr. Pepper says there are 23 flavors in Dr. Pepper. I'm going off the branding because branding's always correct and tells you the truth. 10 and 2, baby. Should we ask you to answer questions? No, we're talking more about the flavors of Dr. Pepper. I think one is boysenberry. <laughs> I do like oh. the image that you provided earlier where it's layered like every sip of Dr. Pepper is a different <laughs> flavor in and of itself. Neapolitan like a layered Dr. shot. Or, yeah, I, like a layered shot, like you're in sixth grade science class and you're learning about density for the first time. <laughs> Oil and water, yeah. I thought you were going to say, like, a layer shot, like, in sixth grade science class when we did layer shots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm, forbidden layered shot. Take a photo, put it on TikTok, 100 million <laughs> followers, nailed it. All right, people, I, I'm going to have to steer this car back on track because we have so much to get to today. I love it. So let's begin with episode 52, where we go through the mirror. We go to the other side. Oh, my God. Porkchop Poppy called it the mirror dimension, and I'm like, oh... Yeah, I should have called it that. <laughs> it's very good. Hold on, get the time machine, Eric. Get the time machine. No, Brandon, the cur the curse from Pro Tools right now. Eric, you killed me during that episode because I know that we had to switch between scenes, but every time we asked a question, you're like, let me see what Brandon's doing. I'm like, no, answer my questions, man. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it really gave me the join the party listener experience in a way I've I've never done before. <laughs> I don't know if they... Uh, I... What I really want the most is I want more screaming from my players while they're recording. I know you're doing it because we're recording a podcast and you're trying to be kind. But what I really want is when I do something, Julia, to go, fuck! <laughs> uh, I'll keep that into consideration from now on. Mostly because since we record remotely, Brandon can just cut that. That's exactly. true. I won't, but I could. 
<laughs> or at least put it in an appropriate place. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Why? No! I was. I did that. I 100% did that intentionally. I felt really good about that. Thank you. So uh, let's begin with the first scene in the episode, which is Julia and I meeting alternate versions of ourselves. Julia, how did you feel about learning what the hell was up with Volcani in this other universe? You know what? I was not surprised because we've talked about on after parties and Eric and I have talked about like in person about what would Val's other timeline be. You know, like we talked about like if Val had been the one who got splashed by the waters of time instead of Aggie, here's probably what would have happened. And it would have like probably be that transference at the point where Val would have gone over to the mob. So it makes a lot of sense to me like, oh yes, Vesuvius is a evil mobster supervillain. Um, Val didn't like it one bit, though. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you didn't add mass murderer to that list when you were imagining it. <laughs> yeah. There, There is a moment. I wasn't anticipating doing this, but I think there was a moment where you were like, oh, no, I'm sure alternate mirror Val is like a superhero agent or something. You're probably fine struggling with it. And then Preserver was like, no, that killed a bunch of people. <laughs> like lit to stories and stories of people lighting on fire. I think uh, someone said something about about evil i was like well a job doesn't make you evil and <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah, mass yeah. murderer i was like okay, <laughs> oh, okay, fine. okay okay that job does <laughs> that job does mass murderer does notoriously known for burning people <laughs> vesuvius what a name too eric how long have you been sitting on that one? Oh, i i i mean it was right there <laughs> i i had to take it wasn't too far yeah i especially i did vesuvius specifically because val would have been less precious about changing their name so it was Vesuvio to Vesuvius specifically yeah. because to tie themselves to you know the their mob connections and their and their dad and stuff so that one was very explicitly on the nose definitely not a secret identity thing yeah <laughs> Porkchop Poppy would like to know, in the Mirror Worlds, was Val convinced by the painting to join Ant-Man? Where do we think these timelines diverged? Yeah, I think it was the painting, if not earlier. I think it really depends. Like, I'm sure if that had been the real case, Eric and I would have figured it out. But yeah. the Mirror does seem like the appropriate timeline split place. Yeah, definitely. Or in a timeline where they never met Aggie and Milo, and then also the painting thing happened. Exactly. And Val's life was much f bet worse for it, you know? No Milo, <laughs> no life. That's what I've always said. Mm. All all day, they're like, God, I wish I had a really nerdy friend with a dump truck ass. A guy who refuses to wear shorts and talks about <laughs> Star Trek too much. <laughs> loves bowling, loves drinking out of bowling balls. That's what's going to keep me on the straight and <laughs> Unruly cat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting, though. I'm trying to think of Ant-Man probably would have come back into Val's life because that's what Ant-Man does. But I think it would have been easier to convince, in my head, it was easier to convince Val in this timeline to just be like, hey, you're not doing anything. The whole LT3 initiative was like Dr. Morrow pulling all of y'all together. And if Dr. Morrow was doing something else and didn't have everyone together and without Milo as kind of maybe the glue to put this particular LT3 together, <laughs> I think everything kind of would have been different. But we'll get there when we talk about the difference between Preserver and Multitool and how all that stuff happened. Mm -hmm. I, I know you didn't mean it that way, but I am going to take that and just keep it in my heart that Milo is the glue to everything <laughs> in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Julia, make sure to keep the extended. <laughs> extended oh, that's not getting cut. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why you don't skip silences for this podcast. It's very intense. Yeah, it's almost like silence is important to podcast, Eric. <laughs> Brandon, lots of podcasts are not as well edited as ours. I have to put it on. I have to. That's what I always say about podcasting. It's more about the silences you don't cut, you know? <laughs> like jazz. Damn. Let's move on to talking about Preserver. Uh, self-centered of me, perhaps, or uh, alternate self-centered of me. Um, but uh, Becca K. Eric, would like to know, what was it like to move Preserver from a PC to an NPC without a difficult transition? <sighs> yeah, I wanted to honor the work that you had done as preserver earlier in the podcast but i definitely pushed those to the limit because of what was happening in the mirror universe as things being you know bad worse than they were in this one but the main thing that you had about preserver is that preserver was very like protective and very much the person who'd be like i'm gonna fix everything i'm gonna put myself in charge and because i'm in charge i'm gonna take care of it which is so different than multi-tool as someone who is like flexible, no pun intended, but, or maybe pun intended, maybe it was a metaphor, who can say? So I wanted to lean into that. And I think that the main thing that I did was like preserver would be unhappy that y'all push through the mirror is like, you are stressing me out. I have things to do. I have a very long to-do list, keeping my superhero team together, being like both the leader of it and the person behind the screen. So I was just like, I, I can't have three people from another alternate timeline come in. And Preserver also spends a lot of time at, uh, by themselves. So they talk themselves loudly. Which was why a preserver said, I can't believe my hair looks like that from the back. <laughs> it made me laugh and laugh. We also had a bunch of questions about the kind of timey-wimeyness of it all um, with preserver and multi-tool. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you think of the differences and like conceive of or visualize the differences between these, like are they alternate timeline, mirror dimension, you know, like a, the, the upside down, what's happening here? Yeah. Okay. So this is what I think happened. There was a splitting point where yeah, I got really mixed up in the time water, right? And that became a branching point for these two different alternate realities. Because y'all fought the time shark and destroyed it, it then turned into the portal that connected the two. So Preserver and Multitool were the same until there was a branching path in time that split the two. So like everything in the podcast and before were pretty much the same until that split happened and then like it only retroactively changed what happens depending on like their powers and then the personality ripples that came out of that yeah so because of that the reason why preserver knew milo existed was because preserver knew that a milo was there had hung out with him, had done the previous part of the podcast with a Milo. This Milo was gone. Be like, that's different. I'm sure there was a part after the Time Shark biz where the Preserver and this thing was like, uh, oh, I remember things, but it's different here, and started looking into that. And one of those things they looked into was like, baby with weird organ glowing organ problems <laughs> disappears or something and put kind of put that stuff together and found Milo's birth parents because of that and was able to put that stuff together. It was more like detective work or like trying to pull on something you knew is different than Anubis who knew it and was responsible for what was happening. So that was the main thing I was thinking. It seemed like Preserver like remembered some stuff when 
two versions of herself uh, touched hands. That was a hard sentence to say out loud, but you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. that true? Did like memories come flooding back or was it just like recognition of like, oh yeah, this is like, this is what's happening. Mm, I think the touching hands point was was definitely like an inflection point where you're like, oh, the things that felt like a dream maybe weren't a dream. And that's where things got mixed up. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I can also picture Preserver sort of like being, you know, thrown into a universe that feels really different or coming out of the time water and being like, wow, like, you know, whether or not she retained all of the memories, survival was sort of the first, uh, you know, the first order of business. And whether, yeah, again, like whether, you know, the memories were unlocked or resurfaced or, you know, to your point, Eric felt like a dream or a haze. She also like got caught up on the rest of, of multi-tool's life, right? Like of this, of the last several months, according mm. to multi-tool. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine knowing that like, you know, Volcani's okay and, and Milo's alive, you know, whether that was new knowledge or just kind of like reassuring, it was a really fun moment to play. Life yes. According to Multi-Tool is my favorite sitcom. <laughs> Thank you. There's a VH1 reunion special on right now. <laughs> but, Brandon, let's talk about this backstory reveal. What did you know before we played that scene on this episode? None. Zero. I knew that Milo existed and Tuna existed. Whoa. And Anubis existed. Shocking reveal. <laughs> but no, I didn't know any of that. We got a lot of questions like, oh, like Brandon and Eric, like, how did you work on this? Like, where, you know, where did it come from? How'd you guys feel? Like, showing up at Julia, what'd you work on? And, I mean, it was all, you heard Brandon learn, right? Yeah, I think we did the thing, you know, like, sort of we all do at the beginning of a new campaign or a new arc, at least. Like, of like, here's my character. I'm gonna throw it at you, Eric. Do what you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a point at some point during the podcast where I think Milo started getting in more and more publicly and obviously interested in his birth parents. Uh, I think maybe when you died and saw Anubis for realsies, that really happened when you started asking Anubis questions about your birth parents. And then as you revealed your mask and I'm like, oh, this is something Brandon wants. So I started thinking about that and putting that together. I had always known that they had powers and that you did like have birth parents, but I wasn't exactly sure how it was all going to fit together. But I think that it was we started pursuing the mirror and as we started pursuing or, or as we started this arc and I knew that the mirror existed. I'm like, I want there to be things for everyone in this mirror. And I think that your birth parents being in there and you traveling between the timelines was a way to figure that stuff out, explain why you have death powers, figure out why Tuna hangs out with you other than it's just your dad's dead cat. My winning personality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could, yeah, confirmed. Choice and uh, And... <laughs> I'm just like trying to tie all that stuff together. So I started moving that way and I knew that that was in the mirror. As we said in the last after party, I knew someone would look at the mirror because it was in a giant bank vault. But this was the other thing that we revealed is that Hank knew the mirror existed. They Hank found the mirror when he was still working at the OTA after you finished the time loop because it appeared when you killed the time shark. Kill. I don't know if you can kill an extra t- time-dimensional <laughs> being, but whatever. Um, Val did. Val killed it. <laughs> did, as the shark turned into the mirror. So Hank saw that, put it in the bank vault, and then used the, this as a little bit of a extra treat as you were in the as you were in the OTA. That was actually the inflection point for Vesuvius. When Vesuvius murdered the time shark, they were like, oh, this is great. Feels good. Love it. to murder. I love it when murder. souls disappear from their bodies and I can see it. <laughs> 
I feel the heat of a final flame coming off of a body. Which I'm always so cold. Anything. I need the souls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'm fueled by the eternal <laughs> energy of the earth to kill. <laughs> I, that's also what Vesuvia sounds like. Julia's just shaking. <laughs> Canonically. <her head>. Okay. <laughs> Ju- Julia, would you like me to make it Macho Man Randy Savage? God, do no. That for you? <laughs> Please not. Oh, yeah. Love to murder. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a, a tonal whiplash to say, um, Brandon, when you conceived of Milo as a character, you know, two years and change ago and chose to give him a backstory that involved adoption, I imagine you had some kind of feelings, desires, like you, you know, you chose that element of his character for some reason. How does this feel in terms of a, a like resolution or an answer that like your character, whether in the back of his mind originally, but increasingly sort of in the forefront of his mind has been searching for? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, you know, I had some reasons to do it. And I think the thing that I most came prominently in my mind as we went through this sort of like backstory reveal is like, I hope we did it justice like you know there's always that like i'm not personally adopted but you know there's people close to me that are and i always hope i i do them justice and yeah i don't know and not having experienced that personally but you know having heard from and talked to i imagine that it's not how it usually is portrayed in media you know where it's like my life is over until i know my birth parents (laughs) and but you know all that kind of bullshit so I wanted to portray just sort of, sort of a healthy relationship on both sides, or at least as healthy as they can be in that sort of highly charged emotional event. So I don't know. I, that was it. I was just hoping to, to land the plane, you know, that way. And I think I think we did. Hopefully, if we did, let me know. Um, can't change it, but I do want to talk to you about it. So yeah, yeah. It was really important to me that Milo's birth parents didn't give him up for like, I don't know. All the bullshit re I agree with Brandon, all the bullshit reasons they do in media being like, you know, like this overwrought, like they're bad people. And then they, the baby needed to be taken away. I didn't want that. I wanted them to be, have, be in a situation where they needed to do something that was best for everyone. And if you have a child who can't exist on this plane of existence, like what are you supposed to do? And they were put into a tough situation and they did the thing that was best for this ghost baby. Um, that was born in the wrong timeline. And what I want to do and what I feel like I've been reaching for a lot in this whole campaign is like, you know, you want to hope that adults, and I mean adults in the way that like millennials are infantilized for the their entire fucking lives. So like everyone under the age of 35 is constantly like 15 in the, age, in the eyes of anyone over who's 50 and older. Like you... <laughs> That like you want to hope that the people who are older than you who have responsibility over you when either you were actually younger or are currently in power above you care about you and want the the people who come after them to flourish. And I feel like they were put in a, the Fitzgeralds were put into a tough situation and they did the thing that was right for their baby so the baby could survive. And Anubis, the god of death, came in, figured it out uh, and brought the baby and a protector to a dad who was going to do the right thing and be a good dad as we've seen with Hank, that I've always wanted Hank to be a good dad because he's a good dude. That was always very important. So I agree with Brandon is you want to land the plane in a way that feels satisfying, but also doesn't just like work with the tropes that exist in media and provide that people are complicated, but are willing to do the right thing if they're put into a tough situation. The logistics of trying to like 
get paperwork for a baby from another timeline <laughs> must have been really stressful for Hank. No, Julia, it was straw basket in the river like Moses. So you don't have a social security number for Milo? That's it's my question. Moses clause. <laughs> when you call the social security administration, you, you press see, I found this Moses baby. Clause. There's no record of it. <laughs> You know that the Office of Technology Assessment has a code Moses. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you find a baby in a serious circumstances, especially if they're in a basket, they can create a social security number <laughs> ASAP. That's the only reason that I don't question is because Hank works for the OTA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Anubis I mean, knew. Anubis An chose, right. Like Anubis presumably like chose LTC's best parent and someone with the resources to make it happen. We hadn't thought about this before, but there was something about baby Tuna and baby Milo together being delivered. Being like, we have like a two-week-old kitten and a two and like a month-old <laughs> baby being brought to Hank. And Hank's like, oh, jeez. Oh, no. It's double the responsibility. I just imagine Milo sitting on the floor and Tuna just like batting his face <laughs> over and over again. It explains Definitely. so much about and their relationship. Anubis is like, mm, gotta make sure he's tough. He has, he has defensive <laughs> skills. Yeah, I also thought like, so this is what happened, I think, is like Tuna lived until like the age of like probably 16, old cat. And then this was Hank's cat and the ghost of Tuna was always and around. And returned home to Anubis. Yeah, but then was always, no, but was always around. Like, yeah, yeah, We had talked about that Tuna no, that, was always around. That's my euphemism around. for death. Return <laughs> oh, return to Anubis, yeah. And then Anubis is like, mm, no, go out there. We talked about this. And Tuna's like, mm, fine. You were supposed to stay. <laughs> and the next day, Tuna's Tuna like, is just like sitting on Milo's face, but as a ghost now i like to imagine the first couple years of that relationship where it was sort of like the cheshire cat where it's just like i milo thinks he sees the smile or the eyes of tuna in the corner of the room <laughs> and like his keys have gone missing and he just thinks he's clumsy but in reality it's because tuna's been hiding them for 30 years that is a different movie that's a metaphor that a ghost look watching over use a me metaphor for puberty <laughs> sure is incredible I mean, impossibly still more to discuss in episode 52. Here is uh, a couple questions around like running a campaign when stuff keeps changing, which I have found to be one of my favorite parts of this campaign. So this question is from uh, Raltz. Was there ever a potential for campaign two to not have an identity change or multi-timeline element? If Amanda rolled better in the time shark scene, could she have just kept being preserver? Or was that scene set up so at least somebody would get split into two? Like, for example, maybe whoever rolled lowest out of three, IDK, Eyes emoji, D&D media as wild. Haha, ga. It's hard for me to concentrate on that question because I was just trying to think of a way to to hilariously say that I just caught a Ralts in Pokemon Arceus like a week or two ago. Tight. So Congratulations. That's a hard one to get. That one was my Ralts um, that asked the question. Nice. Ah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was no guarantee there that Preserver was going to change ever. That was just like a thing that was put into the fight for the time loop. So no, there was absolutely no reason that there was going to be a time a time thing happening or an opening to another alternate reality. Honestly, I was against it because Marvel went so fucking hard on multiverses. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what, stupid. I, it's like, first you go to space, then you go to a multiverse when you run out of things to do, right? And I really didn't want to do that, but I saw that this was a thing that really opened up and we had to kind of explore it, especially because Danny had painted this this thing of preserver and multi-tool touching hands. So I, that's why we dove into it. I don't know if there are other alternate timelines, but definitely not ones that are revealed to y'all right now. That was only revealed because the time shark um, 
let me look at my notes. Julia brutally killed an animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a time animal. Time yeah. animal. That's right, a time animal. Just because the only, but the time, you wouldn't even know that if the time shark had not created a portal between the two. When are the X-Men coming into our universe, Eric? Uh, when Sony releases them from a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love multiverse shit. I know Marvel's like really digging into it right now. I fucking love that shit. <laughs> I am just like amazed that you took on the logistics of implementing a time loop, much less multiverses. I'm just like, I'm floored. I'm so glad and I love it. And obviously like my character, you know, has gotten enriched as a result, but like, damn, good on you. Julia, just to like, as our resident comics expert, do I need to have any particular rules for, for multiverse or I can just like make it, make it up, right? Um, No. And if anyone has any complaints about like you not answering questions about the various timelines and multiverses, I will remind them that there is a character in the Marvel comics that's called Spider's Man, which is just a bunch of spiders that genuinely <laughs> believe that they're man. <laughs> Oh, I forgot to put him in to, to the last episode. That's that just Hive, there. and we haven't revealed that yet. That's about true. Hive. That's true. Honestly, Hive has been a bunch of bees the entire time, <laughs> well, and no one's talked about 100%, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you had to make Milo an al- like an alternate version of Milo in the other timeline, what what would he have been? I'm curious. What would have been different about him? A fucking That's nerd. We would have made him a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, what do you think? Because that was the question Eric posed to me of like something fundamental has to change about your character. What changes? Oh, no, no, no. I want to know like, not like let's fun make a new character. I want to know like what's the mass murder version of my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny. I think if they looked hard enough, you know what this would have been is that there was never another Milo. There was only an original Milo, right? Mm. And they're probably, if we were doing like Teen Titans right now, there would be a whole episode where they're looking for a copy of Milo and they try really hard to like graft people on top of you. So there's definitely someone who has some sort of like ghost powers, but it's definitely more like incorporeality and uh, and things like that. And maybe they were like the equivalent of a rogue. And they're like, oh, that's an equivalent of Milo. And they're like, no, I love monster trucks and basketball. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. And there might be like another person who's like all about space, but like it's very obsessed with uh, getting sucked into like a black hole or something. And like, oh, there's Milo there. And like, no, that person's just nihilist and loves the, de- <laughs> <laughs> loves the, bla- the blackness of space. I don't like that. So I think like there will probably be reaching for people to graft on who are Milo, but I think that the ultimate thing from this particular episode is that there is no version of Milo on the other side. If there was someone else who had done this and you weren't the person who had gone away, I think you would have. this would have been like in My Hero Academia. There is a, someone who can create black holes, and it's incredibly dangerous. They like need to control it a lot, and they're like a... What kind of hero are they, Julia? They're like the... She's the rescue hero. Yeah, like they're like the support healer. Like as Julia said, the 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 rescue hero. I think it would have been more about that using like maybe you would you would have had more space powers than ghost powers and it would have been something more like that. Okay, so what I heard was uh Doctor Doom type who has his own country in Europe. So cool. Cool. That is exactly what I said. Thank you for listening and for taking the time to pay attention to what I said. More like kill him, Nova, am I right? Nice. <laughs> if you were a villain, you would have been a Doctor Doom type called Black Hole. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And you would have Black Hole powers. Mm. But yeah. if you wanted, I did like the idea that Vesuvius was the only was the only bad guy. See, the problem with that, Eric, is if, if one Black Hole, even the size of like 
less than a penny would open up on the Earth. We're all dead. So, you know, it's fine. It's a controllable black hole. Just for you. There's something about, like, you branding or the black hole, the villain calling it black holes. But it's not. And then, like, the only scientists are having a hard time (laughs) explaining it to the regular people to, like, defend themselves because they're too busy saying it's not really a black hole. I imagine Dr. McTeer being like, that's a mild vacuum at best. And he's like, (laughs) shut up! (laughs) It's a temporal gravity event, a TGE. There you go. Yeah, that's what they're spending all this time, and everyone's like, "Shut up! It's cool. We're going to kill. We're going to Blackholia." Fucking. He keeps threatening different countries. Stop it! Stop arguing about the logistics of it. I want to go to a country where I'm not well actually all the time. I'm going there. Couple more questions before we refill this big bowl of chips and guac that we're sharing uh, temporally just across like our three locations. Nice. Um, this is from Bray, Master of Grilled Cheese. If Preserver hadn't fallen in the water and become multi-tool, would we have had a scene where the crossing or meeting of timelines existed? Was Milo always planned to be from another timeline or was that a plot point you decided on once the diverging timelines idea became more concrete in the plot? Also, as always, sprinkling on top, Eric, what the fuck? Eric, tell us your secrets. Eric, tell us your secrets. And and for this particular after party, I am so... I have these two wolves inside of me. (laughs) One is like, wow, I want everyone to see how much I've planned. And the other one says... Does it ruin the drama and fun when people don't know what I have had planned or not? So I'm very like, I'm I'm nervous to share some of this stuff, especially as we get into Night of Mirrors talk, as we will in the second half of this episode. Eric, I thought your two wolves were named I Love Rye Bread and Fuck Caraway Seeds. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a joke for Eric. They're required in the bread. Brandon, they taste like garbage. Also, like Jewish fresh. rye bread does not have caraway that seeds. Too. Fuck. Eric, can I make an argument for please tell us your secrets as a fellow DM? Please. I have a lot of anxiety about kind of like making decisions that are going to impact the rest of the campaign, like not at the beginning of the campaign. Sure. So like knowing that maybe you made these decisions later on as like opportunities presented itself and being flexible with the plot points that we're dealing with here would be very reassuring. Mm. I like that. Can okay. I also make another argument, an additional argument? Gimme. Not if it's about caraway seeds. <laughs> Gimme. Gimme. Okay. If that's what people actually want and it doesn't like spoil no. what I'm doing later, I will definitely do that. Um, yeah. Here's my biggest DM advice is take every episode bit by bit. Imagine that people make anime or cartoons like they do. Imagine they actually do it one episode at a time. And and look at each one and see what happened there and then change what you're doing or plan the next session accordingly because you want to be flexible like that. So I'll say no. I I might not have done timelines. I did not know that Milo was going to be from another timeline. I had a here. This is going to be way back. I had thoughts that Milo was going to be a villain's child that could have come up if we if I ended up pressing on that a little bit more. But Gutenberg has really like subsumed this entire story. I would not have made him Gutenberg's child, but if there was like another villain that would have popped up, he could have been like that. It wouldn't have mattered. He just kind of came from from nowhere, which was another thing I think that Brandon was touching on, like a different sort of representation of what adoption was. They're like, yeah, your birth parents live in Oregon, and they were seventeen when they got when they got together. 
it doesn't really matter. And uh, maybe they're like super, one of them superheroing on the Pacific coast, but that's really mm-hmm. it. Like it could have been non consequential. I had a lot of ideas, but I think that as this timeline thing came together, I was thinking of that. And then even within the timeline thing, I'm like, do I want this to be a villain's kid? That was a thing that I was I was thinking about. Like Gutenberg wasn't the big bad in the other timeline. It was something maybe a little bit more straight up like a Doctor Doom-esque pair of parents uh, or a couple that would have been trying to turn Lake Town City into an independent country or something like that. Doctor um, and Doom. They got together. <laughs> there need to be more villain like couples in comics. Doctor and Mr. Doom would have been your parents, Brandon. <laughs> um, so I, I was struggling with a lot of that stuff, but I think that the thing I we ended up doing, which is the Fitzgeralds giving them up. I, I wanted the Fitzgeralds to still be together. That was a really big thing for me. That they, yeah. well, as Anubis said, they're at legal seafood right now. Which was, <laughs> was very important to me, and I wanted, to, I definitely wanted to touch on that. That they were still together, even though this this hard thing happened. Is alternate timeline Gutenberg? bad guy named Glutenberg and it's it is bad for people with celiac. Brad Magnet. Brandon. Yeah. yeah. Brandon, why did you cut that? That was in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Julia? Brandon, sometimes you just say things and I'm like <laughs> Yeah, okay. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I forgive him because it's 8.30 a.m. <laughs> and I think that that's great. I think that's just great. You're getting unfiltered, Brando, at 8.30 a.m., baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing that I realized. I did want Gutenberg's plan to have developed further because Developed like Preserver. Like a, like a dough. Exactly. Like, just like a dough. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Because Preserver was more interested in creating the Preservation Society and being like a real street level sort of thing, like fighting robbers and the regular, maybe the regular smaller crime that was happening in Licktown City. So Gutenberg was kind of allowed to do whatever the fuck he wanted for a while. Like, I can't imagine that a lot of the work that y'all have done looking into his shit and figuring out who he was would have happened with the Preservation Society because they were more interested in, like... I don't know, probably what, what maybe like replacing policing or replacing uh, like EMT services and helping directly helping with that. That's more what I felt about like the Preservation Society was about preserving Lake Town City and helping citizens directly in that way. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. And then finally, Jay Wilkes 207 says, the players in Join Hands uh, 9 seem to take most of the reveals in this episode coolly. Were you actually kind of like flipping out inside like the rest of us or just so focused that you had to kind of take it in stride? I feel like maybe our responses came across as cool because we were trying to pump information out of Eric. And if we spent too much time flipping out, we wouldn't have had as much time. And we're also like under a time crunch. We had the pizza pies kind of filling in as we did every question and every role. And Mm -hmm. that wasn't, that was stressful. So I just wanted to like, you know, when you're like very focused during a crisis, that's how I felt during that episode. It's like we're in an escape room. We're in focus mode, you know? Yeah. Yes. I did intentionally put that in because and you guys needing to roll damage every single time. Yeah. That was that was part of that was definitely part of that. I, w- I wanted to put a time pressure and I was doing my fucking best to throw you off the trail by making <laughs> the Night of Mirrors a sentient motorcycle. You're like, what? No, focus. <laughs> We're like, no, focus, focus. But I mean no, but after you know, as soon as we, we kind of end the episode and stop rolling, it's like, oh my god, like I can't believe what happened, blah blah blah. I mean it was it was so exciting, but yeah, I think Julia, that's the perfect thing where, you know, like 
someone's someone's having a baby and you don't celebrate until after the baby's born yes. <laughs> because in the meantime there's a lot to do correct um and that's that's kind of how it felt i do also remember just personally i was exhausted that day for some reason i don't think i slept well so i couldn't couldn't bring the emote you know i couldn't bring myself to emote as much but on the inside i was just going ah continually but I think that actually worked out really well. Like I, I think you know, from my outside perspective, you know, Milo having a really lovely life and not kind of looking into his backstory and birth parents from a place of lacking, but from just a kind of curiosity, I think is lovely. And you know, to what you guys were saying earlier, not not a thing that we see a lot where you know adoptees are coded as like fundamentally kind of broken or have a, a missing part, which certainly are some people experience, but it is not kind of the totality or or the universal right. experience of adoption so yeah maybe you were sleepy but i i think it it worked really well where you know as you were describing that like i had tears in my eyes it was it was amazing like julie and i were both sitting here you know kind of being like wow like this is you know profound and, and moving and i can't believe we're learning it yeah i also did not know necessarily what i was gonna do because milo didn't go through the the mirror and i think that anubis maybe felt the same way i did where <laughs> anubis was like hey man you're going to die when the ceiling comes down on you because you're doing a four-person puzzle by yourself uh, while a ceiling's going to crush you. <laughs> you should come with me and sit down on my couch and let you need to, and you need to deal with this right now. I fully appreciate, one, the hint and help from Anubis and the backstory. But Eric, I, I already had plans to get through that puzzle. Step no, by step. you would have died. No, I, no, I would have made it, baby. I had, I oh, had okay. a plan for every gate. Tell us. Tell us the plans for Why remember it now, Julia? <laughs> well, why not? Because <laughs> I don't remember things. <laughs> Sorry, uh, let me look at my notes. Oh, I'm the controller of reality. Oh, no. Oops. Oh. <laughs> if you had kept to the rules as which you laid them out, I would have gotten through every game. Honestly, with that thing, if that's another thing that could have happened, you guys were going to go escape that way. It was You would have to go through five gates in... You only had like three turns to do it. So truly, statistically, you I don't know if you were able to. Mm -hmm. You would not have been able mm -hmm. to do it. Eric doesn't like it when I say I solved his gate puzzle. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not what it is. That's not what happened. Do you know if this needs uh, to just kind of like smooth the tension here? More guac? A lot of guac. Okay. Yay! Yay! Hey, it's Eric. I got a new waffly sweatshirt that I'm really loving. It's super soft. It is oversized. I'm actually wearing it right now. And there's something about finding a piece of clothing that is just soft and nice and good. Everything feels like it's like slim fit and like adhered to your body. Sometimes you just want something pillowy. And I found that in the sweatshirt. Welcome to the mid-roll. I'm a crew sweatshirt usually for life, but this hoodie's really comfy. And I get to put my hands in the pocket like I'm a kangaroo. I like that. First and foremost, welcome to our newest patrons over at patreon.com slash join the party pod. Hello to Lilith, Ben, and Indy. You are helping us get to this goal of 600 patrons. Remember, if we get 600, we're going to have this massive poster of all of the PCs and NPCs from Campaign 2. And we are kind of like rounding it all out because we are nearing the end of this campaign. So we really want to hit that. But if you are not convinced by that goal, remember, if you become a patron, you get so much 
much bonus content. You get Party Planning, our bi-weekly bonus podcast of just kicking it in games where we just covered everything that you might have missed in the Office of Technology Assessment. There was also our exclusive live show we did just for patrons that you can only get if you're a patron. There are also playlists. There are also NPC stories. There is a whole lot more. If you want to help us get to that patron goal of 600, plus want to get a lot of stuff for your trouble, go to patreon.com slash join the party pod and become a patron. Or if you are a patron, tell someone else to join up. It's just that simple. I think you should check out the other shows that are part of the Multitude Collective. I think you'd really like the Queer Movie Podcast. The Queer Movie Podcast is a queer movie watch party hosted by Rowan Allison Jaza John, two of my favorite people working in internet media right now. Join them as they research and rate their way through the queer film canon one genre at a time. From rom-coms to slashers, contemporary art house cinema to black and white classics, the Queer Movie Podcast is a celebration of all things gay that is in the copy that is five A's on the silver screen. You should check out the most recent episodes. They did a deep dive into Best Picture Oscar frontrunner, Power of the Dog with Benedict Cumber. I haven't been on Tumblr in so long, I couldn't think of a name to make a joke about. There are episodes exploring movies that made people queer with the various guests, and there are the movie hot takes you are looking for. Make this your new movie podcast, new episodes every other Thursday. You gotta check it out. We are sponsored this week by Athletic Greens. It is sunnier for longer, and I am feeling the difference, and maybe the entire United States is going to get on board and abolish the change for daylight savings, and we're going to feel the sun more. Our environment affects us in all different types of ways, and that's something I'm noticing more and more as I get older, and like, I can't just sleep for three hours and drink three cups of coffee, and I'm fine. Some people need to come about it like I do and just figure it out, but other people are making choices to make themselves feel better by taking multivitamins or supplements to get their bodies those nutrients. If you do, if you're one of those people, it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients your body can absorb. So to make it easy, check out Athletic Greens. They're going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash join the party. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash join the party. We are also sponsored this week by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about, but do we do this for ourselves? There are plenty of ways that you can take care of yourself. You can go get a nice coffee. You got to treat yourself a little bit. You can make a bedtime so you actually go to sleep at the time that you need. You can tell yourself that you are doing too much, like trying to pull your friend who lives out in the woods and is only invested in magic and more specifically bone magic, trying to help her. No, you're going to put a boundary on that relationship and maybe stop talking about the bone witch so much on your podcast. BetterHelp this month wants you to remind you to take care of yourself because the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself and your brain. BetterHelp Online Therapy offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy to help themselves. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Join the Party listeners can get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Join the Party. 
That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now back to the show. All right, everybody. We have our individual guacs prepared to our preferences. Varying levels of red onion, lime, chili flakes, etc. Insert your favorite guac add-on here. Super limey. You know what I've been doing recently for guac, which I recommend what? everyone give a try? If you can get like $20 uh, either mocajete or like um, uh, mortar and pestle, really, yeah. you know, not anything expensive. You cut up, the, dice up the onion as much as you want, dice up the jalapeno as much as you want, put some salt in there and then smush them up. And so it's like a more of like a paste. Um, and then and mm. then add your avocado, smash those up. That shit's good. Mm. Mm. Try that. I love it. It's like we've really reunited here. This was good. This was good. Oh, no, I'm the master of reality, and Brandon's guacamole has peas in it, like the New York Times recommended that one time. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> all right, folks. We have a whole nother dang episode to talk through, uh, which was episode 53, All of Our Loose Ends. Eric, I loved this title. How did you come up with it? Why, why did this feel like the loose ends entanglement for you? Uh, well, it was the day before the episode was going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot I didn't put a title to this, but I knew it was Entanglements. But I, I, looking back on what we did here, there were a lot of things that were dangling before kind of we are going off of the ski jump that is the end of the podcast. And I, I did think that we were we were tying things up, as, as you'll see, from as you all heard from this episode. Can I nip a question in the bud? given that sure. we're talking about sure. this being loose ends. Eric, in that episode or before that episode, expressed that to us, being like, hey, if there's some stuff that you kind of want to do before we kind of get into the final stretch of the campaign, here's where you do it now. And so a lot of people were like, well, why didn't you guys check your friends slash loved ones slash like family members with the glasses? And that's because like we were doing other things. Full long campaign things that I wanted to make sure that were done before that. We also decided not to do it for like Hitomi and my friends for a reason that I can't remember. Um, I think Eric like straight up told us, don't worry about those people. Yeah. To that point, yes, I had said some stuff that didn't end up on the microphone. Hitomi does not is not made out of pixels. Woo! I'm not fr I'm not fridging Julia's girlfriend. Thank that's you. What, that's what it came down to is that there were people I didn't want to fridge. For example, Milo's friends and Val's girlfriend. I didn't want to fridge because it felt that just felt bad. I also did that in campaign one where uh, Anara's girlfriend was mind controlled. I didn't want to do that again. That was also the thing I accidentally did because Hitomi called Val instead of be Hitomi being there. So Val would have seen Hitomi with the glasses on. That was a continuity thing that I did by myself. But I didn't want to fridge a, bun a bunch of people just to turn that around. There are plenty of other people who I can turn around on all of you. And I think that unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of those people are confusingly related or friends with <laughs> Aggie so who have come out of nowhere and, and kind of disappeared so we're going to look but I we will look into we'll that we'll get to it we'll get we, to we, it they had opportunities but I really wanted to as we do in entanglements each player gets a chance to figure out something that they had been looking into and I really wanted to push on that we had that really sweet scene of Hank Hank and Milo Aggie in the favor and then of course Val talking to that in mirrors. So, Julia, you were very clear from the beginning that your loose end you wanted to tie up was the Night of Mirrors. Yes. So how uh, how did you feel about how everything went down? 
This has been my theory for a very long time. And before this arc started, Eric gave me a little, little nugget there that I was like, <laughs> oh, this Kathleen Devi stuff is important. I'm going to follow up on it when we finish this heist. And so a crumb. it felt very rewarding and very, very Yay! nice to know that I, as someone in the Discord said, that I managed to solve this mystery even with Val's Thembo stats, <laughs> 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 which is true. I will also say that I felt really kind of awkward about it after it was like this was what that reveal was because I went into the situation thinking that it was a family thing because the phone call led to Salimony. And so I feel kind of bad that Val didn't invite Aggie and Milo with them because oh, no. I wanted you guys there for that reveal as well. And I feel weird about it. I think yeah. it makes, I, I appreciate that, but I think it makes much more sense that the Night of Mirrors revealed themselves to just like one person and the one yeah. that was hot on her trail. That makes sense for what we've known of the Night of Mirrors. We've always had fun. Like I've had fun interactions with them kind of one-on-one. And also it it let me feel like a, a listener for a minute. Like I got to sit back and watch the scene, which was really fun. I got to see Eric take off a helmet in real life and, <laughs> releases flowy hair yes shake out the long hair that I've had pinned up for <laughs> how many episodes now oh man what a what a life what a time tell us everything Eric because for the duration of this podcast there's been one thing of continuity and probably it's like January you know no one can harm our son but secondly <laughs> it's been who the hell is a night of mirrors so a bunch of people asked a bunch of questions this uh, we chose one from Hakuna uh, your your potatas um, Eric <laughs> did you always plan to reveal the KOM's identity or was that prompted by our guesses meaning folks in the discord and on social um, did you know who the KOM was from the first time they were introduced I also want to know what at what level of stress you felt for the past like two years of like ah shit <laughs> I gotta land this night of mirror motorcycle <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. There are a few different things that I want to say here. I'm going to start with me and then I'm going to go into Priya Moon, the, the character, and what they were doing behind the scenes. Which, again, another DM tip treat your very important NPCs like they're people. When they're not on screen, they're doing stuff. That is very much something to that helps. And when you play your NPCs as characters and not as DM devices, things go in very fun ways. I had known that the Knight of Mirrors was a person who existed in Lake Town City, who was going to keep their identity safe at all costs from episode one. When they showed up trying to help y'all fight in the bank fight, I knew there was a person inside of the Knight of Mirrors armor and they were going to pretend like they were Superman to throw y'all off the scent. And that is where they were going to begin. They were going to have the, the, the mechanical voice. They were going to call you citizen. It was going to be the whole thing. I knew that from the beginning. So never someone else we knew, never like, I don't know, I'll figure it out later, never sending a motorcycle. I never, no, definitely not sending a motorcycle. <laughs> I uh, I only did that specifically to throw y'all off the trail and to distract no. you during episode 52. I knew it was a person. This person came more into focus as the episodes went on. I knew they were going to be a wheelchair user from the beginning. I thought it was really interesting that they were going to use a motorcycle as their main thing. I kind of started to seed some of that stuff in by making sure that the tires were very large so that they could stand upright. Priya's power is, I've named it pack bonding in the way that, you know, in My Hero Academia, you just fucking name a power regardless of what it actually does, where they can have full control over one item and then you can switch that like you are um, 
uh, bonding to a magic item, as you might know from Dungeons and Dragons. So, like, if Priya had, like, a baton in her hand and she she bonded with it uh, after spending, like, some amount of time, like, turning it over in her hands, threw it in the air, covered her eyes, turned around, she could put her hand out and grab it. So that was also someone was saying of, like, her in a desk chair kind of, like, bouncing around. was it's, That's her power was pack bonding. Um, so that was her relationship with this cool with this cool motorcycle that she put together and built uh, was something oh, that I, I was really oh, she, she, really she had like put it together she had like put it together and gotten it souped up um, and all and all that stuff kind of like how like a middle aged man buys a really run down old muscle car and then puts it back together. Julia, if you just want to call me out for my future self, then just say it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Brandon's been recording from inside of a Mustang this entire time. <laughs> not that she, she's not like an artist. She's not like Lou or Dr. Morrow. She didn't build it, but it was like, this was not like a kit. The the motorcycle itself wasn't sick to start with. She like modded it out and put all of the Night of Mirrors reflection stuff on it. So I knew that. I worked with Misha Stanton. Uh, our good friend, senior editor, multitude consultant for join the party when I need when I need to talk to someone about my notes and things. I really wanted to make sure that Priya was someone like interesting and that this was not like a metaphor for her disability was a really big thing that I was dealing with because like I did want her to ride a motorcycle because the motorcycle was sick but I didn't want that to be like a stand-in for a wheelchair or like you know the daredevil thing where you lose one sense and your other ones get better I didn't want that so we'd we'd worked on this a lot which is also kind of like as we revealed how as Priya said like her, her joints are bad and she can walk, but she would rather not. Like um, lots of wheelchair users and uh, people in pop culture and the world are are big dicks about it. So I was I was glad to see that the reality of like lots of people who use assistive mobility devices depicted here. Yeah. I tried to move away from that with the thing with the motorcycle having standing up on itself because I didn't want like she could have put her, her foot down if she wanted to. But like she had enough control over the motorcycle that she didn't have to because it's uncomfortable. Why would you do it if you didn't want to? Yeah. The thing that turned for me. So we're getting into Priya the person is that. I feel like at different times, y'all didn't know how to feel about the Night of Mirrors, especially when we started the mob arc and dealing with Bone's body as she was rooting around in the juice dumpster and just like being around and stuff. Like she, I was, this was during my Teen Titans binge. I've thought of her as a Red X character, Mm -hmm. as someone who is just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I'm good at it. And like, if you want to help me do, and if you don't want to help me, then get out of my way or I'm going to run you over. She very very much an anti-hero who's just like kind of doing her own thing. And I was modeling a little bit off of Batman as being the, the greatest detective ever, which is just I found deeply very funny. She became someone who's like only thing. And maybe this is kind of reflected in the the new Batman movie that just came out. Reflected. Like her, <laughs> oh. Bang. It reflected in her thing was that she her only thing was doing this like her hobby was crime fighting and being a sleuth. And then she got very much subsumed in it. And it was like the only thing that was going on with her because like, as I said, when this, the, you keep getting deeper and deeper in the secret. What do you, so you can't tell someone at some point. And that was what ultimately after all this happened, y'all revealed yourselves. She was like, you know what? I, you guys are my emergency contact. Someone needs to know who I am. And that, that is kind of how it, how it revealed. And yeah, she revealed herself to Val because Hitomi and Val were hot on her trail and figured out the Kathleen Devi thing because she wanted to be at the gala 
but uh, had to. It's just a person. But yeah. was as just a person. And she wanted to see what was had. She wanted to see what was going on. Cool. I still laugh every time I think about. I have a family. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. I have to go see the wife. Oh my god. I was just. I was like, yeah. Priya's gonna be so fucking awkward trying to throw y'all off the trail by making you think that like the Night of Mirrors is like a forty-year-old retired detective or something uh, who has a wife. And I, I was very clear about that. And then of course she showed back up uh, during the gala. She walked in with Hitomi. I think she got too close to Hitomi because she wanted to do something fun for once, and that's ultimately what burned her was that you you guys followed the Kathleen Devi thing and you showed up at the college she did not see that one coming so she's like fuck I, I'm gonna have to reveal myself to to Val here and uh, that's that's what happened yeah do you know what the final odds were on someone I guess it was someone at the gala there was some debate as to whether this was somebody we met at the gala but was not named which I think is the right answer or just kind of somebody in Lake Town City. Someone did also guess Kathleen Devi, which I feel like they get credit as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you're right. Okay. These were the final odds. Thank you, Maureen, once again for uh, being our bookie. I'm sorry that you got really invested in something and it only happened for three weeks. <laughs> um, five to one on someone we haven't met yet. Five to one on someone we did meet at the gala. I think that one is like taking the line or like doing like a, cur- a cursory <laughs> bet on something instead of actually betting who who it actually was. Uh, nine to one on Dez, 10 to one on Lucas, 12 to one on Fritz, 12 to one on Hank, 16 to one on Hitomi, 20 to one on someone from the alternate universe. That one got real hot over the last got few episodes. <laughs> 21 to one on January, 30 to one on Preserver. That's interesting. 33 to one on a kit from Knight Rider situation, <laughs> i.e. sentient motorcycle. Sorry, I threw you off intentionally. That one's on me. 40 to one on specifically alternate universe Milo. 46 to one on one of Aggie's siblings. 61 to one on an alternate universe Val. So Vesuvius came in and redeeming themselves maybe. 61 to one on Lou. 61 to one on alternate or current Sour Anthony. Ugh. 76 to 1 on Al Gore, 76 to 1 on Kathleen Devi. I'm going to give the points to someone who guessed Kathleen Devi because they didn't know that it was nice. that was a secret. Shout out. 76 to 1 on Tegan, 87 to 1 on Gutenberg. Ralts was going hard on that one and they kept telling me and I'm like, "I'm oh, you're so you're so incorrect. I'm so sorry." 102 to 1 on Dr. Morrow, 123 to 1 on Byron Zorn. 205 to 1 on a pixel person and 619 to 1 on the time shark. Yeah. (laughs) Man, if someone had actually put that on Kathleen Debbie, they would be rolling in that bet. Absolutely rolling. Congrats. I know. I you you all were pretty far on the on the path there. Kathleen Debbie was the next string. And Hitomi pulled on that string, didn't know what it meant, but then I think Priya kind of put it together a little bit and made it as a trap for Val, which is why Val ultimately showed up there. Yep. And of course, you did it where uh, where Milo and Aggie met with the Knight of Mirrors the first mm-hmm. time. I still argue it would have been cool if she had like an apartment inside the lobster, <laughs> <laughs> really Teen Titan style. Oh man, if only that would imagine having an apartment inside of something that's neon. Like the outside is just glowing (laughs) at all times. (laughs) Or like it's a, um, that's the sort of elevator where you can go like under and then sideways into where your actual apartment is. Like the Banksy apartment. Yes, exactly. the Banksy apartment. (laughs) 
Oh man! Well, I hope you all enjoyed that mystery that I that, that I did. That was, was a very good one. We we've known it. Misha and I have known this from like the one of the first episodes. So it's it's wild knowing that everyone knows it now. And I have to confess that the only thing I knew about this campaign going in is that Eric as the person who like keeps the accounting and the books for join the party before we recorded the first episode of the show asked for like budget to do a call with a sensitivity consultant and they're a disability consultant and so you had that conversation with somebody obviously before you made the character of night of mirrors to make sure you you know avoided the tropes of you know oh disability is a superpower you know it gets very boring and people have a lot of legitimate problems with it so that was you know two years and change ago that's right i had the the consulting with Kevin Snow at Brave Mule on Twitter, who we had talked about what radiation would do to people and if it would make you have powers and how to deal with that. And also I asked them a little bit about Night of Mirrors stuff. Cool. So this whole time I've been like, mm, I know a little, a little inkling, <laughs> which is why I never weighed into the debates. This, for me, was the huge event in sort of episode 53, but also Eric and I did a scene on microphone without you there, Brandon or Julia. And I think, you know, I mean, Brandon, you didn't hear it until you edited it, right? Julia, you heard it when the episode draft was ready. So what did you think? You know what? I love these kind of moments where it's like everyone leave the room. Here's a situation that's happening to just one character. I think those are my favorite like DM choice moments. So it was very cool. Yeah. My favorite thing, uh, one of my favorite board games to play is Betrayal on the House on the Hill, um, which we did you do that as part of the game. Um, you split up into two people and go into different rooms. So it... It was very exciting. Me and Julia had a very, very intellectually stimulating conversation that I will tell you nothing about. Uh, so you oh. can just wonder about that, listener. Oh. I feel like there's a little snippet of it in the bloops. So if you there get the is. bloops, <laughs> you can you can hear some of it. I was really I was really stoked on being able to do that. I wasn't sure how to pose this to all three of you, which is why I was just like, Amanda, you have the choice of doing this, yes or no. I think Brandon and Julia both said, yeah, yeah we're like, I'll believe it, it. bye. <laughs> Yeah, before I even, I was like, oh, all right. Do it yourselves. Yeah. Um, I I also want to say I chose Delaware because Delaware doesn't have any sales tax. Nice. True. That's why the, the, what do you call it? The server building was in Delaware. Yeah. Remember that thing that happened like a bunch of years ago that like Facebook was down for like two days because the servers were down, but the servers were in like somewhere that was like five hours away from any major city and you needed like a special key card. That was like the thing that I had in my head. Yeah. Love it. And then just a couple of final game and character questions before we we meet Spoily Corner. Having learned a cornerstone with Spoily Corner. It's a cornerstone less Spoily Corner. What's going to be there? Let's see. Um, Marina, Enchantress of Mayhem, would like to know in all caps, Eric, what is John Press's Myers-Briggs, please? (laughs) So funny. Um, I looked this up. I did not take the quiz, but it doesn't matter because I'm sure that John Press lied so that he could tell people what it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he is E-N... TJ, which is the commander. Uh, I have a, a website up right now. His strengths, strong leadership skills, self-assuredness, well-organized, good at making decisions, assertive and outspoken, sure. strong communication skills, weaknesses, impatient, <laughs> stubborn, insensitive, aggressive, intolerant. That feels Checks right. Out. That's the CEO one. If you don't have it, you're, <laughs> you're evolutionarily not supposed to be a CEO. Well, fuck. <laughs> Uh, Steph K would like to know, how long in the JTP timeline has it been since the gala? That is a great question. So Join the Loop 
was over May 1st, so that was in late spring. It became a hot one during Join the Committee, so that was during the, that was during the summer. And I think that the rest of this kind of happens in the fall. We're in, in Join Hands here because we kind of went back. We, we were like one year out. And I think that now we're kind of like sticking in this late fall area um, where things are starting to get cold. You got to put your jackets on. But yeah, no, I think we're we're from the beginning of the campaign. I think we're more than a year in. So maybe like five. We're going to probably end up like five seasons of Join the Party. Gotcha. Love it. A year and a bit in the life of the LT3. In daylight, in McFay, in, <laughs> in cover coffee. Uh, in saltwater taffy, Eric. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. In lobsters, in pizzas, <laughs> in laughter and strife. Does, um, Thornhill is still a coffee roastery. Oh, thank in, God. In, uh, the alternate timeline. Here's the thing that I, I wanted to do. I really wanted the Thornhill CEO to also, maybe Thornhill to tie in to some other stuff but once Thornhill became a candy company that I'm just like no we're not touching that <laughs> Brandon yeah I was thinking I was thinking more about like there was gonna be like a cabal of CEOs that were kind of conspiring together which was the whole thing about like Dr. Morrow getting people to sign things that said they weren't gonna leave and the companies were gonna be all together so but that never came up to fruition just from the the path that we took all right, folks, it's time for the spoily corner. Whoa. 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 There's quack everywhere. All right, people. <laughs> this one comes from Vicky Moo on Insta. In the first episode of Campaign 2, Julia says she'll be upset if Dr. Morrow's the big bad. How long has this been brewing? <laughs> Follow up. Is Gutenberg actually pixels and controlled by Dr. Morrow? Which explains how she dealt with the Giga Bear question mark, question mark. Mm. Who hmm. can say? Who can Who say? Who can say? There were a bunch of spoily uh, corner questions that were just like variations on Monty. Yes. <laughs> who can yeah, say? Yeah. I mean, yes, but also who can say? Slurian says, I need to know if they missed something in the room where Val broke the power. <laughs> okay. No, this is not a who can say because Eric answered this for me off mic. I said, yeah, there was nothing in the room. Okay. Thank you. Everyone's yelling at me about it. And I'm just like, no, it was fine. I just didn't tell you guys that it was fine. I, I kept it a secret. I didn't. I never told Julia while we were playing the game. Oh yeah, what it was. yeah. No, never. I asked like months after we recorded that episode. And Eric was like, "Oh no, there was nothing in the room. I just wanted to make no, you sweat." No. And I'm like, "Well, I did. Congratulations." <laughs> Good. I did. I did my job. Slurian characterized this as the biggest crime in D and D history, and Correct. yeah, uh, Eric, you're a criminal. That's fair. All right. Um, is this really Doctor Morrow or Doctor Morrow made out of pixels? Who can say? Who can say? Mm. Who else is made of pixels? Aggie's parents, Taylor Swift. That was from Mel 118. It's definitely Taylor oh, Swift. Taylor I do Swift is Taylor Swift. Yeah. Who can say? Valentine Cal says, I realized that the last episode's supposed to air May 3rd, but if we learned anything last year, it's that the time loop starts on May 1st, so are we ever going to hear it? <laughs> See, you will never know if there was a time loop, because if and when we break out of it, it'll just be May 2nd, which is a bad Monday, right before Good Tuesday. Yeah, but May 2nd's also my birthday, so That's true. we should all celebrate that. Okay, <laughs> best Monday of all time. Checks out. I, I do think it's wild that the last episode is coming out the day after my birthday, when I'm turning, I'm turning 31 slash 30 because of COVID. <laughs> you're, you're, a, you're a pandemic 29, honey. Exactly. And finally, I'm going to end on a real thinker for us. This is from Spaceman Name Caps. Is Anubis god of death in all universes, or are there multiple Anubises in a group chat? <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> I like to think that Anubis is in a group chat with himself. 
Oh yeah. Don't think too oh, hard yeah. about that one. There's there's one universe where St. Peter is legit. Just saying. <laughs> Just one timeline. Just one. Oh, sorry, Julia. I'm the I'm the master of realities here and none of the no Christian mythology exists. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. What if every cat is like mentally in a group chat with Anubis? I think that would explain a lot of things. When they're looking at, you know, at just like a wall and you think there might be a ghost Victorian child there. Instead, they're just catching up in the group they're chat. They're getting a text from Anubis, yeah. They're getting a text from the ghost. All right, folks, we did it. We uncovered the Night of Mirrors, but there are so many more mysteries to go. And just as a recap, as a reminder, we have five more story episodes and two more after parties ready to go. After this, there's going to be three weeks, three story episodes all in a row. They're all bangers. Enjoy them. Then we're going to have an after party, then the last two story episodes, and then the final after party of Campaign 2. <laughs> the real mystery is how deep is this bowl of guac? I will find Ooh. it. Well, you spread it out everywhere for some reason when we went into spoily corner. <laughs> Brandon, the car that you're recording in is now covered in guac and now you're going to have to clean it. Why is everyone judging me all of a sudden? <laughs> Well, I hope uh, people still think I'm good at this, even though my mysteries have been revealed. I've, <laughs> I, I've legitimately like a little, a little torn on showing everyone this, but so I hope everyone liked it. Well, I did. I, I, super, I liked it. The yeah. more we've learned about this universe, the more happy and proud I am to be a part of it. I'm, I'm so stoked, and I can't wait for y'all to see what's coming. Same. Hell yeah. Bye, guys. Later. Bye. May your rolls turn ever upward.